Blog Talk Radio. God bless you around the listening world tonight. I just want to thank God for each and every one of you. You're listening tonight to Reaching Out Radio International or wherever you may be happening to listen from, whether it's in a country or a continent, that it's daytime by you, early morning by you, afternoon, it's nighttime right now in North America, so I just want to bless you in the name that's above every other name. That's the powerful name of Jesus. 
And before I even get into the welcome, I want all of you to invite your loved ones. Tonight's message you will definitely want to listen very attentively to. Make sure you invite all of your loved ones and your friends who are seeking to gain victory over the enemy of their souls in Jesus' name. So while I'm greeting you, please feel free to go ahead, make that call, uh, beckon that neighbor in your neighborhood, let them come over and hear if they don't have a radio. You know, just share the word with them because this word tonight that God has given me is literally one of the arsenals, one of the weapons in our arsenal spiritually that we can use to defeat the enemy's kingdom. Just one of the weapons I'm going to be able to share with you tonight. This is so key that if you've been battling and you're wondering, well, what do I do? Uh, What are the weapons of our warfare? I'm going to begin to share them with you beginning tonight by the grace of Almighty God. I really don't think I'll be able to do more than one tonight, uh, and I really want to take the time that's necessary to get right into it, spend sufficient time so that you can understand, and I'll just ask God to glorify his name and to bring you and to bring me into a place where we totally are enveloped by his presence, and we comprehend what the Spirit of the Lord would like to say to us tonight. Well, I just want to welcome all of you that are listening, whether you be in the great continent of Africa, or you might be in Asia, you might be in Australia, or you might be in one of the nations in the Oceania, or you may be in Europe. Wherever you're listening to, I just want to welcome you and bless you North America, South America, Europe, if you're in the Pacific Islands, if you happen to be in one of the Caribbean islands, wherever you may be, if you're in Mexico, just want to bless you and thank God for you. want to remind you that God has a special plan for you. He has not forgotten you, no matter what you're going through. You know, over the past few weeks, we've been studying what it means to demonstrate God's kingdom on the earth as his beloved children. We've also learned that the opposing kingdom, the one belonging to the carnal world, the one run by the God with a small g of this world in which we all live in, is not in agreement with God's kingdom. Definitely not. And as a matter of fact, the devil's kingdom is diametrically opposed to everything which is right, good, pure, and just. We also have learned that God is not asking his followers to fight a carnal, fleshly battle, but instead a spiritual one. How exactly does the believing child of God engage in spiritual warfare? one that is not seen with the natural eyes. In tonight's message, I endeavor to share with you some of the highly effective weapons God has given us to defeat his rival, the wicked one. And so this portion of teaching, I'm taking it from 2 Corinthians 
chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Let me read it for you. And though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And what did Sister Pearl just read? I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Won't you just bow your head with me uh, for a couple of moments? And if you can't bow your head, you know I always tell you that's quite okay. Just bow your hearts and just be in agreement with me as I pray and ask God uh, to lead me and guide me in everything that I'm going to say so that nothing is of my own flesh, but that his Holy Spirit will empower, empower me and endow me with his anointing so that I might break the precious bread of life to you in such a way that you will understand. And not only that I want you to understand God's word, I want you to be able to apply God's word. That's the beauty of the word of God. We can actually apply it in our lives. Heavenly Father, we just come to you tonight in the name that's above every other name, and we come humbly. We still are our spirits before you. We still our minds, our souls. We come against every satanic influence, every demonic force that would try to bring confusion, that would try to hinder, that would try to block the precious word of God. And I am proclaiming that in Jesus' name, your word is going to go through these airwaves and through the Internet and through every place where Reaching Out Radio is being heard in over 90 nations and reaching over 26 million listeners, Lord God, we're believing you to do the exceedingly abundantly above all. I pray especially for that man and that woman in Christ that has been struggling, that has been weary in the fight, that tonight something that you give me to share in reaching out radio tonight will just resonate with them and they would know this is the word of the Lord for me and this is this is the key that I need as I begin to share uh, some of the weapons I'm going to do one tonight because it's a, a very key one so I want to spend the entire night on this particular weapon God give me anointing that exceeds all other times I pray and dispel any distraction, any lie of the enemy trying to torment my own mind or trying to torment the mind of the listeners. We just ask for total access to your word tonight that we will be able to comprehend in a way that is exceeding our years, our, our own capability, our own skills, Lord God. Let us hear from you, Holy Spirit, 
be honored and glorified in everything that your daughter, your handmaiden says tonight. Be honored, Lord God. Take all the praise. Take all the glory because it belongs to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just read uh, for you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6, but I'd be happy to read it again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. We don't battle. We don't fight according to the flesh. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Now, it talks about the weapons of our warfare. So what exactly is a weapon? Well, in the natural, we know that a weapon is a thing designed or used for inflicting bodily harm or physical damage. That's what a weapon is all about. When somebody takes a gun or somebody takes a knife or somebody takes a, a, a big bat or a big stick, God forbid an axe, anything like this, or spare, or sword, they want to hurt somebody. They want to inflict bodily harm. They want to cause physical damage. But the war that you and I are raging and, 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 and engaging in is not, I repeat, not that kind of physical battle. It's not physical warfare. What it is, though, is spiritual it's spiritual. And it is coming against all kinds of evil and disobedience. And that comes, you know, from Satan's kingdom. So what our weapon look like? I will give you another definition for weapon. It's a means of gaining an advantage of or defending oneself in a conflict or contest. The thing about the believing child of God, whether it be a man or a woman, is that God will fight our battles, but we have to be willing to be present. We have to be willing to engage. It's not like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm not going to make myself available. You just do everything for me, and I will sit down and put my head in the sand. No. No, we are are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And while he is our high commander-in-chief, I'm talking about Christ, is we have to be willing to engage. And so that's how come Paul told the church at Corinth, the weapons of our warfare, he wasn't talking about Jesus' warfare. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We have to engage and make ourselves presentable. We have to be present. We cannot run, you know, in some kind of a corner in the back, you know, in the dark and put our head under the sand and think that we're going to um, not engage in spiritual warfare. We have to engage. That's how come he said in verse 3, we do not war according to the flesh. You and I are going to be engaging in warfare, 
spiritual warfare, but it's not carnal. It's mighty in God. So I'm going to give you, by the grace of God, what I would call the first weapon of our warfare. Because he talks about, in verse 4, for the weapons, plural, for the weapons, not the weapon, but more than one weapon. So in God's great, glorious plan, he is not putting us out there just with one single weapon. Just as any good soldier, if they're equipped properly, they're going to have more than one thing in order to fight and defend themselves or to pursue their enemy. Some soldiers might have, um, most soldiers are going to have a knife on them. They're going to have some sort of a gun on them or a rifle. They're going to have um, other things at their disposal that they can use. So, you know, we're talking about a plural arsenal, not just one weapon, but there's a plurality. There's more than one weapon as we engage in spiritual warfare. So I want to take you to the Old Testament just for a little bit, actually for more than a little bit, because we're going to spend quite a little bit of time tonight in the Old Testament we get so many wonderful stories in the Old Testament, so many wonderful examples that point to the New Testament. The Old Covenant points to the New Covenant. It's just fantastic. It's so sad when people say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian, so I have nothing to do with the Old Testament. That is just pure ignorance. That's somebody, whether it's a man or a woman, that just does not know the truth. There's so much rich truth in the Old as well as in the New, even though We're living in the new covenant. But we cannot just, you know, divorce ourselves from the Old Testament. There's so many things that we learn, and it points to what God has prepared for us in the New Testament. So let's go to now a book in the Old Testament called Judges. And I'm not going to go and read the whole chapter. I'm just going to give you a background because I'm going to take my time and read another chapter, almost the entire chapter, but not not the full one, but a lot of another chapter in another book in the Old Testament. So this one was a time that something horrible happened uh, to the children of Israel. And I believe it was a Levite that had his, his wife um, or his concubine was brutally taken advantage of. I mean, that poor woman, if you read the story, you can always go to Judges chapter 20, and read the entire story. I'm just going to read verse 18 for tonight. But something horrible happened to that woman, and she she wound up losing her life. She was literally beaten so badly and abused sexually and just ravished by some very, very wicked, wicked people that belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. And she wound up dying. They killed her. And so her... Her husband uh, took her dead body, cut it up in pieces, and and put them on donkeys and sent them throughout the land of Israel to tell, to warn all of the the people of Israel, this is what happened to me and to my, my wife, and what do you think should be done about this? Well, of course, the people of Israel were 
uh, in an uproar. They were livid as to what had happened to that poor woman and, and, and how that man had lost her um, because of people killing his wife. Uh, so they said, well, we're going to fight. We're, we're definitely going to, to take revenge for what these wicked men have done to this innocent poor woman. So the Bible says like this in Judges chapter 20, verse 18, then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. I want to just teach you a very important lesson before we even continue with this message. Look at the posture of these children of Israel. They knew that they were going to fight. They knew that that was the only right and honorable thing to do. But instead of just advancing and going on their own, what did they do? They went up to the house of God to inquire of God. If you don't hear anything else that Sister Pearl says today, Please hear this. Before you and I just go, you know, and start to do something because we're sure God wants us to do a particular thing, let us first inquire of the Lord as to how he would like us to go about this. Don't just engage without seeking God and seeking his face first as to what he wants you to do. For the children of Israel, they had no question in their mind. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was an evil act that was done upon this man and his wife. And so they knew that God would want them to fight. But rather, even with that knowledge of let's just, we know that God wants us to fight, so let's just go up and fight. No, they didn't do that. They went up to the house of God. And to inquire of God, look what they said. Which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? They could have decided on their own. But they knew that God knew better than them. And God always knows better than you and better than me. Always. That's a given. So in any area of your life, no matter what it is, don't just blindly go and do something like engage with another person in some kind of a battle instead of inquiring of the Lord first exactly what you should do. This is a lesson that has to be learned by every man and woman of God. Always put God first. Ask him to lead and guide. Let him be the one to tell you what to do. I would never think of going in a neighborhood going out of state, going in another neighborhood, even within the state, without first asking God, do you want me to live here? Do you want us to move from our home and go over here? And if the Lord is leading us to go, that's fine. And I know he's going to go before us, and he'll take care of us. But I'm not just going to go because somebody told me it sounds good. I want to know, I want God to go before me. And that's what the children of Israel wanted. And look at what God said. And the Lord said, Judah first, or the King James Version said, 
defend Judah first. And what does Judah mean? Of course, it was the name of one of the tribes of Israel. Named, that particular tribe was named after their forefather, Judah. But what does Judah's name mean? It means let God be praised or praise. Send praise first. Send praise first. The Lord said, send Judah first. They inquired of the Lord, which of the tribe of Israel shall go up against the children of Benjamin, which was their own relatives, by the way. And he said, send Judah first. And so this will be the first weapon that we're going to talk about. This is the weapon we're going to talk about tonight. Because praise is a tremendous weapon. Spiritual soldiers arsenal. Now go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 1 all the way down through 30. But let me just say one thing while you're looking for that, if you happen to be looking in your Bible, that if you read Judges chapter 20, you will notice that even though they sent Judah first, they did not win the battle just like that. But they were obedient to, to put the tribe that God wanted to go first. They put that tribe first. And because you praise God, because you worship God, that does not always mean that automatically the battle that you're engaged in, the spiritual battle, will automatically be won. But what I can tell you is you will win the battle you will win the war, I should say. You might lose a battle here or there, but you will win the war. So that is certain. If you are being led by the Holy Spirit, you will, you will win the war because Jesus won the war. Just because you praise God, is everything going to go hunky-dory? Everything's going to go just the way you want it right away because you praise God? That's not necessarily so. So when you read Judges chapter 20, you will see, that even though they did put Judah first, they didn't automatically win the first battle. As a matter of fact, they lost the first battle, and they lost the second battle. But they won the war. You better believe it. And, and why? Because they, they were led by the Spirit, and he caused them to have the victory, the ultimate victory. Always put Judah first. Always send praise first. You know, just as human beings, when we're going through very hard times, very difficult circumstances, it's not easy in the natural to start praising God. And we're going to talk about this. The Word of God doesn't tell us to do it only when it's easy and convenient for you to praise Him. He said, but no, send Judah first. Put up the praises of God first. Let's read Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let me just give you a quick uh, little scope of what this chapter is about. Uh, basically, the king, Jehoshaphat, had three enemy armies 
that had surrounded and encamped around where he was with his people. Talk about frightening. Three, not one enemy army, three, Ammon, Moab, and Manzir. Three enemy armies. Let's read. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they're in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Again, they didn't just go out and fight. They sought the Lord. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Manziah whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But... Our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and your inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. 
And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of Kohatites and of the children of the Kohatites praised the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Manzir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Manzir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Zaire, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and and were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies, precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Barak until this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Oh, my goodness. In this particular account, God didn't even have them fight in the physical. He actually told them through the prophet, you will not have to fight in this particular battle. You don't even, don't, don't fear. Just go out against them, but I'm telling you, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. Verse 17 says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Just position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear. Or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them because the Lord is with you. Wow. Now, not in every circumstance did God tell the people that they wouldn't have to fight. But in this story, clearly, he had them just praise. What's the first thing that happened? He sent the Jeho- Jehoshaphat, the king, sent out 
the praisers, the worshipers, the minstrels, they were the ones who began to sing. And as they began to sing and praise, remember we're talking about send Judah first, send praise first. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments. He set ambushes against the people of these three different warring armies. These are some sorry enemies that Jehoshaphat had because uh, years ago, the army of Israel could have really taken advantage of these three, but they, they allowed them to just go ahead and do what they were going to do. And instead of just being grateful, now they're coming up to fight against Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel and to take not only the land that was provided for the other tribes, Ammon, Moab, and Manziah, they had their own land, but now they wanted to also seize the land of the Israelites. I mean, that's just, talk about being greedy. But God is the one who destroyed them. But how did he do it? He did it as the people began to praise God. They began to worship. They began, they didn't lift up a sword. But instead, they lifted their voices to sing and to praise God. And God honored their obedience in praising him and singing before him. And he caused those three enemy armies to to fight and kill themselves. How do you like that? So we're talking about the first weapon tonight is the weapon of praise. And we praise God because he's deserving of it. A very famous preacher who is no longer alive today, I'm sure, I believe, by God's grace, he's in the presence of the Lord in heaven. His name was Aidan Wilson Tozer. He lived from 1897 to 1963. He was an American pastor in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and he was an author who emphasized the need for deeper knowledge of God and development of the inner life. And I want to quote something that A.W. Tozer said. He said, perhaps it takes a pure faith to praise God for unrealized blessings than for those we once enjoyed or those we enjoy now. So what does that mean? Basically, you know, it takes something from you and from me to praise God when circumstances are very different from us wanting to feel like praising. Sometimes things happen in your life and in mine that the last thing we feel like doing is praising God. But we don't praise God because we feel like doing it. We praise God because he's worthy of our praise. I want to say that again. We're not just praising God when we feel happy and joyful about something, but we praise God because he is worthy of our praise. He deserves our praise. He's praiseworthy. I remember a time in the New Testament when they put in jail the Apostle Paul and Silas. These men of God had been preaching. God had used them 
to perform miracles among the people. And as a result, of course, the religious crowd, which typically it's always a religious crowd, basically the religious crowd that came against them. And so they had Paul and Silas put in jail. But the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, this is in the New Testament now, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now remember, where were they when they were doing all this praying and singing? They were in jail. They were in jail. They were in jail and it was about midnight, so it was dark. And the other prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas as they were singing praises to God. Then the next verse tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. I'm telling you, dear listener, tuning in to Reaching Out Radio International, listening to this broadcast in the Word with Sister Pearl, I am telling you, there is something tremendous when you and I, in earnest, begin to praise our God. Take our eyesight off of the problem, off of the circumstance. Don't just focus and concentrate on the Ammons and the Moabs and those from Mount Zaire. What do I mean? You're not just concentrating on your enemies. You're not just concentrating on your jailers. You're not just constant, concentrating on those who have been persecuting you and tormenting you, harassing you, trying to upset your spirit, trying their best to steal your joy. You're not focusing on them. Instead, you're going to be like Paul and Silas, praying and singing hymns to God while they are in shackles, chained up in a prison. How do you like that? That was a weapon. That was a weapon. The Bible also says in Psalms, if you ever open up your Bible, that's right in the middle of your Bible, Psalms. And then Psalm specifically 34, chapter 34, Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, look at that. Look what the psalmist is saying. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times, in the good times, in the bad times, and all the times in between. It should just become a habit to us, the same way that we breathe without thinking. Our 
automatic response to the goodness of Almighty God should be praise. As we praise God, we remind ourselves of his greatness. Right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the battle, right in the middle of all the enemy armies surrounding us, right in the middle of of people lying about us, of people mistreating us, of people abusing us, right in the middle of that, we're going to praise God, remind ourselves of his greatness, his character, his goodness, his faithfulness, rather than focus and be consumed with the severity of the problem that we might be dealing with. When we praise God, it's to elevate our mindset, and we focus on the only one deserving of our time and attention. The problem, yes, we need to be understanding that this is a problem whenever we encounter one. We need to know that, yes, this is an enemy. Yes, this is, a, this is an issue here. This is trouble here. Yeah, we need to understand and, 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 and comprehend it. But we don't need to focus on it. We can see the enemy surrounding us, but in the midst of that, we can still experience what the prophet Isaiah talked about in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. He said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts. In you. That's right. So right in the middle of the biggest, most horrendous storm, you and I should be praising God. You and I should be focusing on the Lord. And I remember many, many years ago, that a young man had asked me the question, well, Sister Pearl, he, he, I was teaching, you know, a Bible class, and he was one of the students. And he asked me very, very, very honestly, and, you know, he said, he said how about, would, would I be genuine if I praise God, even though I don't feel like praising him? I mean, doesn't God know me? Doesn't God understand that, you know, right now I'm not feeling this. I am not feeling a praise. I am not feeling like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, praise you, Lord, for your goodness. I don't feel like saying that right now. That's what this young man was asking me. Wouldn't I be a hypocrite praising God even though he knows my heart, he knows my mind, and he knows I don't feel like praising God. I don't want to be a hypocrite, Sister Pearl. So shouldn't I just praise God the times like only when I feel like praising God? My answer to him was no. That, that's not only the time that you should be praising God when you feel like praising God. See, when you feel like praising God, That's easy because you feel like praising God. You know, you feel good. Something good has happened. You got a promotion on your job. You know, you're good, you know. But what about praising God when you don't feel good? When, you know, 
when it's not easy. The Bible talks about offering up the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. It, that means it takes something from me to offer up that sacrifice because it's, it's not coming easy. My feelings are not there. You know, I don't feel happy, happy, happy. I, I don't feel like that. But yet I praise God because it's not based on what I feel like. It has nothing to do with my feelings. It has everything to do with what God deserves. He's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of it. The Bible says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 13, verse 15. We're offering up the sacrifice of praise. We're doing like the psalmist said in Psalm 34. We're praising him continually having his praise on our lips, not just when we feel like praising him. That's a weapon. I'm praising you, God, because you're deserving of my praise. You're worthy of my praise. It reminds not only am I praising God because he deserves it, but it also simultaneously puts my spirit in a, in, in a frame of faith. My faith begins to arise when I think about the goodness of God, when I think about how praiseworthy he is, when I think about his character. All of a sudden, whatever trouble and what seems like, quote, unquote, hell in high water, whatever is going on, somehow that's diminished as I begin to praise him. The trouble didn't leave. The problem didn't disappear. But I get out of that mindset and into the, the mind to praise and worship God in the midst of everything. Do you really believe that Paul and Silas were thrilled to be locked up in chains and to be in a jail, a jail, excuse me, a jail cell? Do you think that they enjoyed being in the jail? I don't think so. I think that they were human just like you and just like me. I don't think that they were thrilled about being Peter, um, you know, had been in jail sometimes, but this is now Paul and Silas. So I don't think that they were thrilled to be away from the other believers, the other saints of God, the family of Christ you know, the saints in the church, I don't think they were happy to be away from them and and, and be in jail, being mistreated and chained up. But yet, you know what? In the midst of that, they said, you know what? God is still deserving of our praise. He's a good God. And if he wants to, he can even deliver us out of this. But we want to praise him whether he delivers us or not. Now, they didn't say that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say that. They said that when they were put in a, in, a, in a pit. These people didn't say that. Paul and Silas didn't say that, but the, the Bible doesn't say that they said it, but it does say that they began to sing hymns 
and praise God. So much so that the other prisoners heard everything that they were singing. And as a reaction, how did heaven react? How did God react? All of a sudden, there was a violent earthquake, shook the foundations of the prison, and the prison doors flew open, and everybody's, not just Paul and Silas, everybody's chains fell off. Everybody, everybody. Phenomenal. See, when you and I begin to praise and worship God, it does not just affect us. It affects those around us. It brings deliverance to those around us. It's a good testimony to those around us as well. It's not just about you. It's never just about me. You and me are salt and light on the earth. You and me. You and me. Wow. It's never just about you. Just like Paul and Silas were praying and singing, the other prisoners were listening. As you praise God, as you sing before the Lord, it might not be prisoners necessarily. If you're in a, in a prison, of course, it will be prisoners. But if you're outside in the quote-unquote free world, other people will, will take note. Wow. I know that that lady's going through some, some difficult times. I wonder how she can sing. How, how can she praise God through this? She's dealing with a hard situation. You can praise God because you know at the end of the day, your God has got you. No matter what is going on in your life, whether you're in a prison cell or you're out in the free, you're in society, you're not jailed, you're not, you know, chained up. No matter what your circumstance is, you and I are free in Christ. <laughs> no matter what our situation is, no matter how deep of a problem, no matter what the diagnosis, no matter what, the, you know, we're free. If we live on the earth, we're free. We belong to Jesus. If we close our eyes, dead to this world, we're alive in Christ. Paul said, you know, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was saying, I'm good either way. If I live, I'm good. And it's better for the saints if I live because I can continue to help teach them and nourish them. But if I, if I close my eyes in, in, in physical death, I'm still good, he said, because I'm going to be with Jesus. I don't know what my end is going to be. I don't know what yours is going to be. But I can afford to praise God now. No matter what the situation is, I'm going to praise God. And I'm going to keep my mind on him. And then he's going to keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him, like what I read to you before, Isaiah 26, verse 3. The enemy of your soul, the devil and his demons, they hate when you and I Praise God. I mean, that really totally gets them off their game. They, they're, they're just hurt when we praise God because they want us to stop worshiping God and instead worship them. Worship the devil, worship his imps, worship the demons. That's what they want. But we can't give them what they want. So 
going back to 2 Corinthians, we realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not. They're not carnal weapons. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And Sister Pearl just shared with you a little bit of the first one tonight. That's the weapon of praise. Send Judah first. Before you start a long list, you know, dear God, this is terrible what's going on. I need this. Please help me with this. I'm struggling with this. God wants to hear all of that, but send Judah first. How about that? How about before you get with all of the terrible things that you feel is happening, how about you spend some time just to praise God, just to invite his presence, just to worship him, just to exalt him. By doing so, you are mighty in God for the pulling down of the strongholds. You're casting down arguments. You're casting down all the lies of the devil that says you're never going to get help. You're never going to be delivered. You're never going to, you know, get the freedom from this. No, those are lies. Those are false garbage that the devil always comes up with because he is good at, 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 at coming up with arguments, and he tries to exalt his arguments against the knowledge of God. God says one thing, and then he says the contrary. You got to know the kind of games that he plays. He's a liar, and he's the father of lies. Don't believe him. You begin to open up your mouth, and you begin to send Judah first. Who will go up and fight first? Judah. Send Judah first. Let the praises of God escape your lips and begin to worship I tell you, as you begin to worship, the very atmosphere will change within you and around you. And it does affect not only you, but those that you influence. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that in this series of the weapons of our warfare, that you will elevate our mind, elevate our hearts, elevate our understanding. Help us to grasp and understand some of the weapons, dangerous weapons that slay the enemy's camp and exalt your camp. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless the people. The ones that are not saved, save them, Lord God. Deliver them from the strongholds of the wicked ones. And let your men and your women of God, be they young, old, in between, let them send you to first. Let them praise you in every circumstance, in every situation. This is one of the mighty weapons that you've given us for the glory of God. God bless you. This is your sister Pearl. I love you. I'm hoping to have you join me next Sunday night, but know that Jesus loves you even so much more. Take care now. Until next time. Bye-bye.